welcome. Thanks for joining. I just wanted to take a moment to encourage anyone who hasn't listened to the very brief intro to the podcast to pause and do so now. It's technically the first episode and provides some helpful context about the nature of this project. So for any new listeners, I think this primer is pretty invaluable, especially considering how this podcast differs from most. I feel as though I'd be selling myself and my audience short if I didn't also comment on the decisions I've made about the way this project will exist in the world. For the moment, Imposters Anonymous begins and ends here. I've elected not to extend this project to any social media platforms as they continue to present uniquely severe and confounding barriers to communicating effectively and objectively. The jury is more than out on the dangers of the double-edged sword that is social media. And though I could spend hours on this topic, and maybe will at some point, I'll save everyone the headache and simply say that I've concluded that it's best for me to keep my distance altogether, if only in an attempt to prioritize my mental health. That being said, social media remains the most effective way to promote a podcast, or virtually anything for that matter. Considering that I would like this podcast to grow and reach as broad an audience as possible, the decision to abstain may prove to be foolish. But even so, it's the path I've decided to take, which is why I think it's important for me to take this time to suggest that if you derive any meaningful utility from this project and its aims, that you consider sharing this podcast with people in your life you feel might share a similar experience. I hope Imposters Anonymous can become more than just a drop in the ocean of content everyone is always being told they have to consume, but a means to start candid, and impactful conversations about how we think about ourselves and the strange world we find ourselves in. Where this podcast goes will rely entirely on listeners being compelled enough by this line of reasoning to take the uncommon initiative to subscribe, review, and make an earnest attempt to introduce Imposters Anonymous to their relevant circles. To be honest, that's kind of exciting, and also a bit terrifying. But for better or worse, here we are. And thanks for giving this a shot. You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. I am the smartest man alive! How do we know if uh, we're in control? to Imposters Anonymous. Josh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's it's a pleasure, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so happy to get started. Uh, we'll just jump right into it. I know 2020 has been uh, a crazy year, to say the least. Everyone's had their ups and downs, and it's hard to know how to feel about the year. But something I've been thinking about is just things that I've reevaluated this year because of this step backwards that we've all kind of had to take, you know, that everything has changed on some level. And to some extent, it's an opportunity, obviously to a very clear extent, it's a huge challenge, but I'm just curious, if there's anything poignant that you feel like you've reevaluated during this year because of the global situation? Yeah, for sure. Um, myself personally, how I show up in the world. And then also when the shutdowns started happening, the quarantine stay at home orders, really reevaluating my business and seeing how dependent I was on other 
things besides myself and my business, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Two thirds of my revenue dropped and I saw how easy it was for that because I was focused on other things outside of like my, not that anything's really in our control, but like things that were more in my control than relying on another source. Mm-hmm. But then personally, I saw the connection there because one of my challenges is like really wanting to be the best version of myself and also wanting to help other people to a fault. Mm-hmm. And I saw the two kind of um, mingle together for lack of better words. Yeah. And I just was really like faced with this choice of, okay, what do I want to do now? And really seeing it as an opportunity for me to grow personally and professionally. And it's been just that and it's been amazing. So I have a perspective that COVID, you know, 2020 is no different than any other year. Just, looks different but there's always challenges and i actually just shared something recently with a um, a quote from gary vaynerchuk for those that don't know who he is it's no f-bombs involved there were before and after but he was just saying you know COVID didn't create anything it just exposed things and i think that's something we've been seeing a lot of people so to speak true colors coming out whether it's ourselves or other people and um, something i've been saying for a while like in life there's there's two types of people people that are going to uh, choose to move forward and people that are going to choose to think about things and not do anything they're going to mm-hmm. settle and so i think for me personally it allowed me to be challenged in various different ways in my life and think about what i wanted to be true and act on those rather than just saying this circumstance is messing up my life or i hear all the time like 2020 sucks and i'm mm-hmm. like does it like you're alive you know mm-hmm. how does it suck like yeah things have changed but it's temporary, you know, things will come around and not to dismiss things, you know, like people having, you know, uh, very adverse experiences with COVID, of course, but right. it's no different than cancer, or heart disease or injuries or fatal accidents. It still happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just been really good for me to have more perspective on just all aspects of my life and what I wanted to be true about those areas. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's incredibly difficult to maintain a, let's just say, positive perspective in, in, in a year like this. And like you said, it's it's no different than any other year in reality. And sure, so many things have affected so many people. No one's really been able to avoid the reality of this year. But tragedy is something that always happens. It's always right around the corner. And some people avoid it for longer than others, or some people just get lucky in a lot of different ways in life. But I, I personally at least feel like no one really escapes that. You know, at some point in your life, something awful is going to happen that you just could not foresee in any way. One of those things we say that that doesn't happen to me or my family. Like that's, that's just something you hear about. That's, that's going to happen in everyone's lives. And we, to some degree, live in this space, assuming that that's never going to be the case. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also, it's not realistic to necessarily walk around every day expecting something awful to happen or a piano to fall on your head. That's not really a way to live either. And that's a part of the reason why a lot of people, I'm sure, carry around a lot of fear and anxiety in life is that they do kind of just live in that mode where it's, it's always worst case what could happen um always living in that kind of fight or flight 
response kind of state. But on the other side of that, it's that is kind of the harsh reality of life is that that really could happen at any time. And to some degree, being prepared for that and doing what you can to, uh, I guess I'll say, manage your expectations, you know, and, and recognize that when things are going well, that's that's great and all, but that it's, it's mostly a lot of it's just luck and uh, it's, it's always going to swing back down and there will be worse years, I'm sure, than, than 2020, but it also gives us this opportunity to, to step back and, and recognize what's important. I know a lot of people throw that around, especially this year, where it, this idea that we were able to step back after this terrible global situation and, and recognize what's important, whether that be family or important relationships or pivoting in our professional lives or, uh, just having the time and space to really think deeply about what matters, um, that we're not so stuck in the rat race. But to some extent, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. But for me, at least, it, it's been a, a year that's been particularly challenging for me in, in a lot of ways that I don't know if I'll ever be totally public about. But it has given me the opportunity to just focus on gratitude as a concept. And I know it's something we've spoken about a little bit before, but it can be such a powerful thing to really regularly recognize all the ways in which you are lucky and should be grateful. Just as an exercise, you know, it's, it's sure. very hard to be upset when you really sit down and just go down the line of all the things that you have in your life that are positive that the average person does not that someone you know a starving child in a third world country would i mean they would literally in so many ways their greatest dreams would be realized just to be in you are my shoes yours are my shoes just for one second you know to to just for one second be where we are to have what we have on various fronts not even speaking you know financially or because we live in America or whatever, but just recognizing that on, on a regular basis, every morning, just trying to take stock and just say, Hey, what, what is really valuable in my life? What do I really have to be grateful for? And it's very hard when you do that to, to feel, to at least feel negative, you know, mm -hmm. even if it's just getting you to neutral, to be like, this is where I'm at. This is what I have. I have love in my life. I have people that care about me. I have my health to whatever extent you have your health, you know, um, those sorts of things. It sometimes sounds a little bit cheesy or corny or whatever, but something that this year it's, it's been particularly important for me to do on a regular basis to not get so caught up in all of the negative and the constant news cycle of just everything seeming to spiral down all the time. Um, I don't know if you have a particular practice or habit or anything that, that you feel like you use on a, on a regular basis to maintain the sort of perspective you seem to have on this year or anything on that front. Yeah. Uh, it's been built over 10 years now though. And I'm a big proponent of talking about perspective. And I think that's uh, one of the words that are pretty cliche that like get used around just 
really easily now with not much context added, which is another one of my favorite words, context. And so when you'll hear people say, oh, just, you know, be more grateful, think more positively, but it doesn't, it's not that easy, but it's like what you said, being practical about it. Like think of all the reasons why you have to be grateful. Even if you can't like, um, you know, Mitch, like Mitch has mentioned, like at a point in his life when he was low, like he couldn't think of anything to be grateful for. He's like, oh, it's not raining or, oh, the sky is blue, like just something. Right. Because when you say, oh, like just be positive, but you don't have any, anything in your environment as evidence to be positive, it's not going to work. That's why I don't believe in affirmations unless your body and your mind are coherent with that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of a practice, it's been building over the years, but it's just thinking of perspective of like, one, if you're alive, you could be dead. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Sure. You know, <laughs> um, two, shit could always be worse. No matter what you're going through, shit could be worse. And there's usually someone that is in that worst position that is happy mm-hmm. and or succeeding at something you want to do or just just living their life. And I think that gives a lot of perspective to be grateful for as well as, you know, traveling. I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world to many places, many people will never go. Um, places like Saudi Arabia, you have to be invited to um, mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, you practice their religion and seeing how people live there and how free we really are in America to a degree. I mean, you know, money creates more freedom, so to speak, right. um, but just things like running water, how like it's easier for people to talk about that. But until you have that experience where you feel it emotionally, mm. it's not so easy to be like, oh, just think positively. They have water. I don't. But it can be that easy, especially when you focus on it. And that's that's where my you know, practical application of creating perspective in my life on a daily basis started 10 years ago. And it's just been being aware and building that focus and creating that focus on being grateful and the emotions that I want to experience rather than just like, oh, just think positive. You know, this is this sucks right now. Mm-hmm. Think positive. No, just just feel it. You're a human being. Experience it. But then just start focusing on what you want to be true and what those feelings are. And then, yeah, match things up like we're having this conversation right now. I'm grateful mm-hmm. to be having this conversation because it means I'm alive. I have someone to talk to. I have a friend and I'm able to express my truth. And that's pretty cool. Um, many, mm-hmm. many countries, you're not really able to do that freely and speak right. freely. You're not Absolutely. able to have access to social media or somewhere where someone's going to be listening to this. So I think that's really cool. Um, so I'm just a big fan of like finding ways to create practical application of perspective where your mind, body, and heart are coherent. And, you know, an example of what I was saying earlier about affirmations, why I don't believe they work is because someone could say, you know, maybe they're, they're poor and they're in a lack mindset. Maybe they're just, they're wanting more monetary things. Like they mm-hmm. want to be able to have financial security. And like they heard this talk Tony Robbins gave about perspective and affirmations and they heard a bit of it. And then they're like, every day I'm going to say I'm, I'm wealthy every day, 10 times, mm-hmm. and they go live their life and they have zero evidence to feel wealth. They have zero evidence to feel financially secure. Bills are coming in. Maybe they're not able to put food on the table, maybe rent's late, whatever. Um, but when you're operating from a vision in your mind and you're finding small wins to create that momentum, I find that builds up. And that's why I was saying like the last 10 years, I've been focusing more on that. And it's, it's funny because when you change your inner world to operate from the belief that you're focusing on the quality, not so much the car, the money, whatever it is that most people think they want. It's mm-hmm. deeper than that. It's how that's going to make you feel and how you're going to view your world. And I think going back to two things you mentioned earlier is one thing that came to mind for what you were saying is comfort. This year got people really uncomfortable. Like I said, I lost two thirds of my revenue. I was making five figures a month. And then all of a sudden, two thirds of that went away. And mm-hmm. I had someone on full-time staff and I was like, oh, Okay, how, how are we going to do this now? You know, savings accounts winding down. Thankfully, I'm good with that. 
um, with, with that, you know, um, contribution to my savings account, you know, being smart, but it got me really uncomfortable. I had to think differently. And I think a lot of people get comfortable where they are, you know, an autopilot making ends meet maybe, or just, you know, doing whatever. And then they're challenged with something and it gets uncomfortable and they don't know how to maybe push past that. Maybe they haven't had any difficulties in the past. And for me and, you know, my background in my life, I've been forced to grow from, from challenges. I've been stressed in a lot of ways and then had to, had to move past it for the vision in my mind that I was working towards. And so for me, it was, it was no different than any of the other things I've experienced. And I'm grateful for those experiences. Mm-hmm. Not maybe so in the moment of like, oh shit, what do I do? But after it's like, oh, I've been through worse. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's something you mentioned about expectation. Um, in the book that you gave me that I'm reading right now, I think it was the first chapter. He mentioned expectations are built around circumstances and as those are your environment and circumstances. And as those increase, so do your expectations. And I think when people get to a comfort zone and they expect things to be there tomorrow, they expect to get in their car, to go to work, to come home, to put on their clothes and all this and that, to pay bills and go out drinking, whatever it is, that's, that's the reality they live in. And unconsciously, they expect that. Mm-hmm. And it was something like 2020 happens and people are just pushed way out of their comfort zone, maybe for the first time. They panic, they don't know what to do. And then, of course, it's easy for the downhill spiraling effect of negativity to kick in especially if they don't have the tools of awareness and focus to, to add in. And I think that that's something I've seen a lot lately and that I've seen the opposite for me and for Jackie. Thankfully, I hired on a coach at the beginning of the year that is well-versed in, in all this work of NLP and consciousness and all this stuff that's helped me create more self-awareness and directing that awareness to what I want to focus on. And it wasn't always easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's I'm a human being. I have my ups and downs and right. shit gets real. But if it wasn't for my past choices and experiences in life and then working with someone and being exposed to a lot of the tools I use today on a deeper level, I don't, I don't know if it would have been the same outcome that I'm experiencing today where mm-hmm. my business is growing again. My personal life is, is doing well. I'm, I'm healthy. My family is healthy. Um, I'm able to do things I enjoy. I'm helping other people as well as my business model of helping people. Um, and I really just think it comes back down to like more than just, be positive, be grateful, but like really thinking about things that you can be grateful for. Because at the end of the day, that's going to drive the emotion or the feeling that you are grateful and you can build on that. You mm-hmm. can't build on a false affirmation to yourself that you can't find any evidence in your external world for. And I think that's been a game changer for me and other people that I've shared that concept with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's all, that's all very interesting. I'll certainly, I'll link to that book in the show notes so people I know the reference. I'm sure we the can talk about it. As the like, 21st century? Yeah, 21 lessons, 21 uh, lessons the, for the 21st century. Yeah. It's Yuval Noah Harari. Fascinating read. I, I would advise anyone to to take a dive on it if they get the opportunity. Um, but just to jump back to, to one of the last things you said, I think, or at least a concept you were speaking to reminded me just how valuable it can be valuable it can be to have a lifeline or a tool when you yeah. when you face stress or adversity or anything like that and just the difference between in those moments feeling like there's nothing to hold on to that there's nowhere for you to go that there's uh, there's nothing for you to hold on to when you are just in that what the fuck is going on kind of state and whether it be you know something meditative or even if it is an affirmation, not that that's something that I do or 
as you said, that you're if not. It works. It works. Right. Yeah, it just, changes the state of being for sure. Just to have something, even if it's like, like I was saying earlier, just to think, really think deeply about what is reasonable, even not even having to have this positive lens, but just what is reasonable to be grateful about or let me pay attention to my body. You know, let, let me, let me feel the bottom of my feet. Let me listen to my favorite song. Let me do all those you know, yeah. <laughs> things that awesome. in those moments, just having something when uh, the moment uh, emotions take over when you're overwhelmed, just having somewhere to go. Cause though meditation is something that has been incredibly useful in my life. And I, I certainly would advise anyone to give it a shot if they never have. I also have learned to recognize that it's at least in a formal sense, not for everyone, you know, and that everyone has different ways of becoming more in touch with the base reality of the moment. And for some people that is meditation, you know, to be able to really just recognize all of the processes that are constantly running, you know, whether it be your heartbeat or just being aware of the sounds in the room, anything of that nature. Uh, it's something that resonates with me, but you can achieve a very similar state in a lot of different ways just to be able to get closer to, as I just said, the, the reality of the moment and that often what you're actually feeling is is not necessarily, it's there to protect you, you know, and it's not necessarily always useful, but it, it's there to protect you. It's there to stop you from dying typically you know your your physiological your emotional responses they're there and they have a lot of value and just being able to in those moments recognize those things and acknowledge them for what they are and even be grateful for those things you know to be able to be grateful in a kind of abstract sense to your body for trying to protect you and be able to just sit there and be like thank you you know i i appreciate you trying to stop me from dying here but i'm okay you know i I think I can get through this. I, I think things are going to be all right. And I, I get that I'm to some degree programmed to respond a certain way to this situation, but I think it'll be all right. And that can be very challenging and sometimes feels a little bit delusional, right? To always, I say it probably too often, like, it'll be all right. You know, it's something that just comes out of my mouth all the time because generally I do feel that way. And even though it's not necessarily always true in, the conventional sense, as you said earlier, in a way it always will. And it might not be, it might be when you're gone, you know, it might be a uh, hundred million years from now that, that everything's all right. Uh, but at some point, at least I believe that, that things come back into balance, you know, that the ebb and flow is always there. And um, ultimately things do balance out in time. Nothing is really ever as bad or as good as it seems on its face. And um, that is one of those things that I, I find myself saying a lot to others and even just in my head. And I feel like sometimes I get some strong reactions to that because it, and granted, I don't know who I'm quoting on that. I'm sure it's someone, but it really is true that we, we spend so much of our lives building up things that are positive and, and diving into things that are negative, you know, and when things in the moment, it often just feels like, oh, this is the, this is the best thing in the world. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, or that 
we build up that expectation so unrealistically that we actually enjoy things in the moment less because, you know, it's okay. Let's just say my birthday is in a month. It's not, but I could spend all of next month, you know, just thinking about my birthday and how exciting that is and the plans that we have for it and how it might be the best birthday of my life. And I mean, sure. It makes me sound like a kid, but we do kind of live our lives in that way often. And the same thing is true for the other side of the coin that, you know, you've got, let's just say you've got a surgery coming up and you're anxious as hell about it. And you can spend that whole month putting yourself through hell about what that's going to be like. And at the end of the day, things typically sometimes really are awful, but we always think they're going to be worse, you know, <laughs> especially when we, at least for things that when going into them, um, we have a certain expectation of negativity and sure things surprise us sometimes. But all that to say, I think that is one of those things, at least for me, that I can recognize as a tool just to remember things that were quite as bad or as good as it seems. And it's, it's always probably somewhere there in the middle. And having that as your base expectation, as your kind of null hypothesis, if you will, some people might say is is a little pessimistic. I don't know. At least as far as on the the well, highs end of the spectrum, but I want to share is even more. Pessimistic. <laughs> but yeah, no, I understand. Um, but yeah, ultimately, um, so thing, it's almost like you're living life in neutral, but allowing yourself to feel, but not getting expectations one way or the other. Right. It's it's and granted. It's something I tell like myself the all the time. Neutral, though. Sure. I mean, that's, and that's the idea. And it certainly starts to sound like a very Eastern Buddhist philosophy of, you know, kind of finding the middle way. I resonate a lot it, with that. If yeah. you will. Um, and granted, it's not something that is exactly the same or really based in that, but just this idea that just let it, to try to be okay with things as they are and let them be with what they are and, and to be able to meet people where they are in certain situations. It's something that I particularly struggle with and I'm sure everyone does to some extent, but those expectations that we have for ourselves a lot of times get transferred onto others and how we interact with them in the world. And it's very hard to often just accept the fact that people are how they are when you meet them, you know, in the moment. And sure, you can have hopes about where someone might be or where someone might go or their potential, um, you know, let's just say you're mentoring someone and you're, they're in a rough place, but you, you know, you see this diamond in the rough and you can get very tied up in that. But in that moment, just recognizing like they are doing their best for what they are in this very moment. And the best thing that you can do for others is just accept them for what they are right now. And it's, it's not to say that you shouldn't try to help people, you know, to try to, make positive change in their life or do things that are pro-social, but that in the moment people are what they are and they're not, you're not going to snap your fingers and they're just going to be something new. And sure. We're always changing. We're always evolving, but in the moment, everybody's just doing their best and you're just a physical system that is so multivariate that none of us can even begin to understand and, and to be able to just, even when you, you want to have that reaction of hate or dislike or disdain or disgust of other people just recognizing that there's no other way for them to be right now you know they just whatever the situation is it's, it's 2020 it's it's covid it's 
this is just how it's playing out. And there's in this moment, there's nothing that you can do about the external. It just is what it is. And sometimes being able to accept that for what it is, and sure, you, you can imagine what it might be like in the future. And I'm not saying you shouldn't plan or that you shouldn't have hopes or dreams or any of that. But that I feel like so much of our lives we spend trying to change what is happening right now. When in reality, to make change, it's real change happens. It, I can't think of a way to really say that without it sounding counterintuitive, but it happens in the future. You know, it's, we are where we are right now and you can, you can plan, you can change your habits. You can, you can change the physical system that you're in. You can change your environment. And in time, we have this incredible neuroplasticity. Our, our brains are always changing. We're always evolving as individuals. So you can set yourself up to be something different in the future. You can help someone evolve. But in the moment, if you're always in that mode of what things could or should be, you're kind of setting yourself up for a high degree of just tension, you know, of dissatisfaction when you live most of your, you live all of your life really in the present. And if you can at times just take a step back, even if you're not happy with where you are, you're not happy with the situation, you're not happy with your job, you know, you're, you're wishing you were doing something different, you know, whatever it may be. But still in those moments, you don't necessarily have to have as much tension, as much suffering as it sometimes feels like you do. Um, and once again, I, it, it starts to sound a little preachy because that's by no means me saying that this isn't something that I struggle with. You know, I, I guess I even started with that, that it, it's something I, I catch myself all the time just being like, yo, like this is, it just is what it is right now. Yeah. And that's yeah. sometimes just being able to be okay with that is, is the most helpful tool not to be apathetic or to say, you know, I give up, you know, nothing matters. It's, it's, it's certainly not a, it's not a, um, I just totally blanked on that word, but hey, uh, no, I definitely understand what you're saying. I resonate a lot with that. And next time we have a conversation like this, I need to have a whiteboard because there's so many things you touched upon that brought so many things to mind. And that's something I'm trying to work on is like mm -hmm. letting go, especially with what I want to say about how human beings create suffering because we get attached to outcomes, which we have zero control over, which is what you're talking about with the future. We can create change in the future, but we can also create change now. That affects the future but we have no control over the future we have control over the exact way our state of being shows up the way we think the way we feel and the way we behave which has a higher probability of creating an outcome we want or don't want accordingly mm -hmm. with our actions but uh in the book buddha's brain they talk about um have you read that book no no they talk familiar. about um the science of the brain through buddhism because they couldn't find any other religions that worked as like um, synergistically with how the brain operates. And so they broke it, the brain down based on principles of Buddhism. And one of the things they talked about is attachment and how humans create their own suffering because we get attached to outcomes. And actually in the quick book uh, by Deepak Chopra, Seven Laws of Spiritual Success, he talks about one of the, the laws, uh, number five, I think it is, the mm -hmm. law of detachment. When you can detach yourself from an outcome that you're working towards or a goal, whatever the person wants to use as the word, you're able to show up in the true form you want to because you're not focused on the fear or the anxiety or the pressure or the stress or overwhelm of creating that outcome that you have zero control over.
Mm-hmm. COVID has been showing people that whether they want to see it for that or not, you have zero control over anything other than your state of being. And for those that aren't familiar with your state of being, it's the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act. Like that's all we have control over. I don't have control over how you react. Mm-hmm. I don't have control over things over there. I don't have control over my goals. And I learned that with my business that I thought I was in control, but I wasn't. Um, and something else that comes to mind in that world that we were talking about, like living in this world of neutral, not so much like you're just a robot, but like you feel things, but you try, try to tell yourself it's going to be okay and not get fixated on like a big high or a big low. Mm. Um, what comes to mind for me is like, I've developed this belief over the last 10 years of my life that, you know, I don't, I don't form to any type of religion. I just don't know what happens, but I've kind of taken the science approach with spirituality and consciousness combined which I feel like makes sense in the science world. But like, I don't think that um, life has any meaning per se, but because I'm a human being and we give meaning to things based on our emotions, that's why people have pain and suffering. And that's also why um, people get fixated on things. But the reason why I think it's easier for people to get fixated, myself included, on negativity, negative emotions and drama and gossip and all these things Mm -hmm. is because it it elicits a stress response and that means survival. And the dopamine rush that you were talking about earlier, like the the constantly chasing dopamine of excitement before an event. Mm -hmm. And then after the event, it's been shown that dopamine doesn't spike as high because the expectation of such an outcome per se Mm -hmm. um, is much higher in terms of dopamine than after. And, um, in the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, he breaks that down in terms of habits and forming habits or breaking habits. And so it all comes back to, you know, we get addicted to our emotions. And if you live in this high and low and extreme, you're always going to be chasing those chemicals rather than if you just take the approach like you're talking about with, um, you know, things are going to be okay when you do have a bad time or when things are great and you're, you're celebrating it, you're experiencing it, but you're not building an expectation off that being the new norm moving forward. Right. You have a better shot at not suffering. And I had another idea of where I wanted to go with that and I forgot, but um, I think it just comes down to really just understanding that we're chemical beings. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about fear and stress and anxiety, like any negative emotion, those feelings, it's, it's a signal of survival. Human beings in the modern world, our brains haven't really changed since the caveman days. They're wired right. the same way. And pleasure isn't always, it's enjoyable. But it doesn't mean survival like fear does. Fear is to protect you. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about the ego. The ego is there to protect us as well and stuff like that. So I definitely resonate with what you're saying about trying to... Oh, that's what I was going to say. Anytime you have a fear of the unknown or what's not happened yet, you're worrying about something in the future, mm-hmm. whatever it is, this has helped me. Asking yourself, do I have any evidence of this in my past or right now? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. But do you have any evidence of that in your past? Whether you say yes or no, that should help you audit how you move forward. If you do, well, then you can ask yourself, well, what happened? How did I get fired? And mm-hmm. if you don't, why do I think I'm going to get fired later on? I think that type of questioning has what, or is what has allowed me to really audit who I am, and how I show up in the world, and to have a higher probability of the outcomes I want rather than what I don't want. Mm-hmm. So on the note of you saying like everything's going to be fine, something I've been taught to add to that is, do I have any evidence of whatever fear or worry or stress or anxiety that's mm. future-based? Do I have any evidence of that in my past? For right. me, it's always been, um, until recently, where I've worked through, it's always been this fear of not you know, being able to make ends meet. Do mm. I have any evidence of being homeless or being untaking or not taken care of at all? No. Right. You know, I didn't grow up you know, much more out of poverty, but I 
had a roof. You know, my mom put food on the table. I had things I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have a BMX bike that started, you know, a career for me. But I don't have any evidence of the things I worry about. Mm -hmm. You know, in my health, I do have evidence, but I've taken a more empowered approach moving forward. So I think just adding to your, it's going to be okay. Just ask yourself, do you have any evidence of what you're afraid of? Mm -hmm. And if you do, that's okay. Just how can you prevent that moving forward? I think that puts you in the driver's seat or what I call empowerment for mm. your life rather than just being at, at, at effect to your circumstances, which you can create circumstances in your mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, once again, it's, it's just another tool. And I think having as many as you can, you know, in your toolbox for whatever the situation may be that you can, you can draw on whatever, whatever fits your style, fits you as an individual, uh, fits the moment, whatever. But feeling as though that you're, you're well-equipped, you know, yeah. if you're going into battle, battle, you're not, you know, you're not just standing here in your clothes, you know, you're not just standing here naked, if you will, that you've, you've got some shit on your back, you know, you've got something in your pocket. <laughs> you, you, yeah. it, it can certainly change. It can be so meaningful to just feel like there's somewhere for you to go. There's something for you to do. There's, there's a, a tool for you to draw on you know these are these are your allies in those moments and it can be the difference between helplessness and and just be feeling okay for whatever that means um i did want to jump back to something you mentioned earlier i know you're talking about atomic habits which i haven't actually had the chance to read oh, shit, real quick on what you just said one of my favorite quotes from my childhood hero mentor and friend dave mira you do the homework the test is easy so if you're doing the self well, people label it self-care, but if like you're learning about yourself and you're putting these things that we're talking about, you're like you're learning how to um, have an effect on your mind. Mm. When you're tested, it's not going to be like you're you're not going to feel any negativity. It's going to be easier to overcome challenges. But if you're just living life as happenstance and just kind of going with the flow, and you're just kind of oh yeah, sweet. When a challenge is presented, I would argue those are the types of people that are going to crack. Or you're going to see people emerge, and I've been in those situations. But I just love the quote, like, you do the homework, the test is easy. So if you practice the stuff we're talking about, you reach out. Another thing I forgot earlier you mentioned was, like, you're not alone. Like, I, uh, I like to refer to as virtual mentors. And that's why I do all I do in my life and dedicate my life to that. Is because that's what helped me when I was going through certain situations. Like, oh, that person looks like me or does something similar or is going through something similar. And they were able to come out on top, mm -hmm. whether I knew them or not. A lot of them I didn't know. Some I've had the fortune of meeting. And I think that that helped me in a lot of my darkest moments that um, I don't think majority of people ever experience some of the things I've been through mm -hmm. that, you, that you know very well. But it was seeing other people do something that I strove or yeah, strive to do in that moment helped build a belief in myself. Mm -hmm. And I think all these pieces we're talking about, those are like the practical things as we talk. And I'm like, anyone can be doing these things. It's simply, it doesn't cost money. It's like, especially right. in the world of social media, you can go... You have a favorite person you want you want to learn from. There's mm -hmm. podcasts, there's YouTube, there's social media, there's LinkedIn, there's all these things you can learn from afar. There's books and all these things. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of like, are you going to do the homework or not? I think that's a yeah interesting thing. No, it's a, it's a very interesting concept, and I I'd love to add on to it before I forget that it's an additional abstraction on top of that. But I don't know if I've actually mentioned this to you before, but it kind of ties into what you're talking about as far as virtual mentors, if you will, or even just drawing on what others have experienced out in the world, whether you know them or not. And on one level, it's, I think it's 
it's incredibly salient even just by itself that it's so easy for us to feel like we're our experiences are our pain, our problems, our challenges are so unique to us. And sure, as individuals, we're unique in ways that can never quite be explained, but that uh, a lot of our problems are actually very, very similar. You know, we all kind of want the same things. We all kind of experience the same pains and, and problems. Sure, circumstances are infinitely complicated and different in a way, but at base, we're just humans, you know, we're, we're chemical beings and, and we all, you know, even just a basic exposure to something, even just like television, you know, there's a reason television or movies or whatever books, if, if you will, the same themes come up over and over again for a reason and have since the odyssey, you know, people, people face the same problems in relationships with people face the same problems with their jobs. People, uh, have the same sorts of existential crises, you know, it's, we're all kind of the same in a, in a very real and tangible way. And there's so much more similar about all of us than there is different. And there's probably someone out there who's experiencing something really fucking close to what you're experiencing all of the time. But even if that's not true, something that really resonated with me I honestly don't remember what the circumstance was. I was struggling with something, um, having a bit of a more existential moment, you know, um, when things got tough and it can be hard as we've talked about to find, uh, you know, a branch, something to hold on to, something to stabilize you. And just thinking about what I guess is broadly described as the kind of ice many worlds theory or, just a basic concept of parallel universes that it's perfectly possible. And to some might even say likely that there is another you out there right now experiencing the exact same shit that you are experiencing and that you really are not alone in any sense. You know, there is just another you living the exact same life, doing the exact same thing and potentially an infinite number of you that's out there. And maybe that's not true. That's not really the point, but in the moment, if you can think about that, especially when you're struggling or when you're facing adversity, you know, like there's probably someone out there on this planet in that incredibly small lens and view that is experiencing it too. But if you just broaden it just a little bit, this galaxy or in this universe or in another fucking universe, there's gotta be someone out there who's in a very, very similar situation, if not the exact same one, because they are you. And there's also, you know, even when things don't work out how you want them to, if you subscribe to any of that, they probably did, or they probably have somewhere else along the line or will in the future or have them in a different paleo universe or, or whatever. And it's, like I said, I know it's a little abstract, but something that I found to be helpful um, in some of my darker moments. And I still draw on from time to time that even when it feels like you have those moments where you're just like, how the fuck did this happen to me? Like, this doesn't feel real. How could anyone relate to this? Um, but I, I do believe that there always is someone who can, and you might not be able to speak to them directly, you know, mm -hmm. but in a way you're connected in a way that we may never really understand. And you're never really alone in that sense. And I, I think that's, a message that's that's very important in a lot of different ways and it gets said over and over again in in literature and in in history and in everything that that people just don't want to feel alone uh, yeah. and sometimes that's 
it feels kind of like one of those things, you know, be positive or be grateful or you're not alone. It, it falls on deaf ears a lot, but I think sometimes taking it to that level of extra abstraction uh, sometimes helps it resonate with people who maybe in the, the more literal sense, it doesn't. For sure. Yeah, I've, I've had the fortune of talking to a wide variety of people over my life of celebrities, of you know, professional athletes to seven to ten figure earners and all the above. Like it all comes down to the basic, the same basic needs doesn't it may look different it may be financial stress it may be relationships it may be a job or education or creativity like wh whatever the thing is but it all comes down to the same basic human needs that everyone strives for and um, i don't i don't remember all of them off the top of my head but it was like love and acceptance and fulfillment and contribution and community like mm. the same at the core level we all want those things it's not about the the school or the job or the team or the action or the thing or the outcome like how you'll feel about that and i think that that has been eye-opening for me to talk to certain people that i'm like oh wow you're so successful and like how could you have any problems and they're like oh, i'm unfulfilled or i'm i'm unhealthy or i'm insecure mm -hmm. and so my favorite musicians um jim carrey um actor he's took fame and fortune he says to see that that's not what was gonna make him happy mm -hmm. at the end of the day he wanted to be accepted he wanted to be loved he wanted to be genuine generally himself but Jim Carrey is one of the most famous actors of our time. Right. Um, an amazing story behind it. So I think just it just comes down to that when you can understand that no matter what your circumstance is or what their circumstance is, mm -hmm. we all want the same basic core things as a living human being. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been helpful for me to see that and to know, yeah, I'm not weird or broken or um, anything to be embarrassed about or alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I want to just jump back to the tab we had on habits before i forget you mentioned atomic habits i was saying i hadn't actually had the pleasure of reading that yet but a question i i often ask people and one i just think about internally often is if there was just a if you could snap your fingers and get rid of a single habit of yours uh whatever it may be as trivial as it may be um do you have anything that comes to mind? That's something that just it happens all the time. You just do regularly and it almost seems like there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's trying to help people it's like too much I'm trying to help pe solve people's problems. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's certain people, my family, friends or strangers getting, um, I think, I think what it comes down to, how would I like elegantly say that? Like projecting my own emotional baggage onto people based on what I think they need, mm -hmm. like judging where they are and thinking like, I know better than you. Right. Back to what you said earlier, like wherever people are, we're always just trying to do our best. We're trying to do our best with what's given to us. Like we're perfect where we are now. Mm -hmm. We have a choice how we move forward. But who am I to say what's best for you or what's best for that person? I think one of my habits that I'm becoming more and more aware of is jumping in and wanting to help solve people's problems too much, mm -hmm. uh, which is really difficult with the line of work I'm in with helping people and serving right. people. But um, it's been great now understanding that so I can work on that habit and then mm. comes down to actively being real with myself, having conversations and then practicing that. And it's a, it's a big challenge. But I say that's that's the one thing that comes to mind very vividly, vividly that I'm getting better at. Mm. So, but yeah. Yeah, no, I certainly can relate to that. And it's it can be incredibly challenging on any front that when 
you you face a problem yourself, right? You have a challenge, you have an insecurity, whatever it may be, and you find a way to overcome that, whatever it is. And if someone that you care about to whatever degree that you do, it's very hard to not feel as though you have some sort of insight that could help them with a similar challenge. Yeah. It's very hard not to impose and say, and to get so stuck in your own perspectives and to be like, oh, I've, I've, I've been through something like that. Like, this is, this is what I did. This could help you. And it's, and that's not to say that there's not value to, to be given there, but it's, it's very difficult to not do it in a judgmental way and not, not even in like the, let's just say capital J judgmental way, but in a sense that you're just making so many unnecessary assumptions about what they're experiencing yeah. and what their problem is really like. And that's not to say that your experience, that sharing your experience can't do something for them, but it can be so hard to approach those sorts of situations, especially when you really care about someone or you're, you're, you're literally, it's your job to help them, right? Um, that is your goal is to help this person and to not be totally anecdotal in the way that you, you know, think about the situation. And, you know, that kind of classic situation where someone's like, oh, yeah, I, I had a shitty day. And the other person's like, oh, well, wait to hear about my day, you know, uh, kind of thing. Or like, this is something that happened to me. And then your, your natural response is to say, oh, like this, that, that also happened to my me. My story's worse. Um, <laughs> but in that moment, a lot of times that's not what they need, you know, yeah. and what they need is just to be heard and yeah. to not be judged for whatever that's worth. Yeah. And often people I honestly believe that most of the time people kind of know what they need um, or know what is quote unquote best. And that, I mean, if you take something like, you know, therapy, that they say a lot of that is just allowing people to talk through their own problems, right? It's just being there, being an objective third party to sit there, to ask the occasional prodding question, but to also just not be judgmental, you know, and to just sit there and allow them to figure things out and i think it's so hard to not try to figure things out for people yeah. and all that to say it's definitely something that i that i struggle with and i think we all do to some extent because especially when you've you've you know you've been in the trenches and you've come out on the other side and it, it's hard to let people struggle through their own shit you know it, when you feel like you have some sort of value or insight that could just you know, warp speed them past it or through it, but that's not always, I mean, what's necessary for them to grow. Mm -hmm. It's like getting the answers to a test. Like, is that going to help you? Right. So I think the way you just put it, like that just clicked for me. Like, yeah, maybe that's not what they need. Maybe they need to feel some of the shit they're going through. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard. And I, I can imagine maybe the most salient example of that would be like, you know, if you're a parent, mm -hmm. right. And I yep. can't relate to that, but it's your child, you know, this is someone that you brought into the world that has half of your genes and you just want to remove every barrier possible for them. And you just want them to be happy and have the greatest life. And you have just the epitome of positive intention for them in every possible way. You know, they're the greatest source of joy in your life and all you've been working for as long as you can remember just to make things right for them. And it can be so hard for parents to not just impose all of their experience and baggage onto their children or just to try to be a helicopter parent, if you will, and yeah. just just push everything out of their way, you know, any obstacle they could possibly face. But 
I think we're, we're seeing that bear on now as, you know, this kind of current generation grows up where helicopter parenting, if you will, became normalized that it doesn't, doesn't really pan out very well when you remove everyone's obstacles. You know, when you give everyone the, the elevator to Everest, I know I've mentioned that kind of analogy to you before that it's, you know, sure people talk about it all the time, like the values in the journey, but I feel like when you think about something specific like Mount Everest and what it would be like to just arrive at the top, it would probably be, you know, kind of lame. You know, you'd just be like, oh, yeah. this is cool, you know, but you just want to go back down after about five minutes and, yeah. you know, you you have a nice hike or whatever. And most of the value that you get at the top is because, you know, your, your legs are tired and you're breathing hard and you got somewhere and you did something and to just get there, to just arrive or to just be handed a solution or just to be handed even a tool, you know, um, not a tool that you've created or you've worked for. It's, it's just not the same experience. And who knows if I'll have children any day, but I, I'm sure that'll be a huge problem for me to have to overcome is to not be that way to a child who yeah. you just, all you want is the best for them. And all you want for them is to have the happiest, most fulfilling life as possible. But most of what they need is just to, to fail and to fail and to fail some more and to struggle and to get hurt and to be heartbroken. And it, it's hard to sit there and just be like, yeah, that's fine. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but it's when you put it in that framing, it, it seems, um, it seems a little bit more realistic than we, than it is in the normal context of our everyday lives, at least when we're not talking about that kind of father, son, or, or mother, daughter, or whatever parent child relationship. When we're just talking about a friend or a coworker or someone else, where it's, uh, it's maybe a little bit easier to say, Hey, maybe they just need to work through this, or maybe they just need to not be judged. You know, maybe they just need to, be given the time and space and uh, support to go through whatever they need to go through. Yeah, that's everything. Just what you just said, the time and the space, the support. Uh, have you watched the series, The Good Doctor? No, it's no. It's about no. Uh, a surgeon who, um, the autistic boy becomes a surgeon. And oh, really? it's very fascinating because his, uh, the president of surgery, or the I think the president of the hospital, his, his mentor who adopted him as a child, um, develops cancer. And then the main character, Sean, being a doctor and being able to do surgery and then just being autistic and like his ability to think in such profound ways to come up with answers mm -hmm. most people wouldn't right. um, as his superpower is going through this scene where he's just trying to help and help and help. And he gets to a point where he gets advice from a friend. He's like, you know, all you gotta do is just be there, just be there, be with him. Mm -hmm. And it's like this turning point for him. And um, I think that that's actually, I just had like a clarity moment for something going on in my life with someone I care about with that. But, um, comes down to like you know me being a coach and me being trained to like probe at people's pain mm. and understanding how that pain through the journey is what got me the value I have today and it's it's cliche and it's gonna be difficult for people to hear if they're not ready but like the journey is where the value is and I am confident in that because my journey saved my life figuratively and literally but also exposed to what I believe is my truest purpose right at least right now on this earth um, and if it wasn't for that journey, if it wasn't for failing and being in the immense amounts of physical and mental pain I've been through, I wouldn't know what my purpose is. I wouldn't be acting on my purpose and I wouldn't be confident in just my being today. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, 
as a coach and being trained with my clients to like probe and let them feel the pain because that's what gets like pressures what allows us to grow mm -hmm. it actually just rings a bell for like how i can approach a situation with a family member that i've been having mm -hmm. a difficulty with with like i know best like just let me help you just mm -hmm. let me help you and now it's like right. i don't know like the perspective there so yeah the journey is everything and it's, i know it's cliche your v talks about all the time people aren't they don't want to hear that they don't want to know that especially in today's society where you can get everything you want delivered to your house on your phone while sitting on the couch right, like, they, don't want, they don't want to feel pain <laughs> or struggle but um mm -hmm. that that's everything and actually um one of my virtual mentors who i've had the privilege of hanging out with a couple times now his name's crow and ray and he just put out a video recently just talking about like how um, pressure is a privilege and people that have the ability to chase an entrepreneurial path and that pressure they experience is a privilege because most people, you know, either out of fear or just that's what they believe they got to do, they settle for the, the path of majority mm -hmm. and they're unhappy, unfulfilled. And we know this by most people that are depressed um, mm -hmm. and all these different surveys that are like what 70 plus percent of people are unhappy with what they do for a living, which mm -hmm. they spend 40 plus hours a week doing. Right. Um, and it's just, just interesting because the journey is like, it's everything. I, I, I've learned that very vividly. And I just love like, just what you just said just clicked on so many yeah. levels for me. No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I, I think it's, it's always a nice moment when you, sometimes it's unexpected, but something just, just resonates and just applies specifically to you in, in that, in that moment. And, um, I think it's always important to even just take a moment, you know, and, and just recognize it for what it is and just, you know, whatever works for you, but make a little tab in your head and, yeah, and, sure. and come back to it. Um, but yeah, I, it, I'm very curious because you're someone who's had a, had varying degrees of success in different spaces in your life. And you've, you've worked with a lot of people and had a lot of really interesting conversations with successful people. But I also know through a lot of our recent conversations that you're you're very tapped into and interested in the the mindfulness, the consciousness, the, the, the meditation landscape. And we've even talked about today about kind of some of the Eastern philosophy, finding finding the middle way, being okay with things as they are, and how you kind of balance that ego motivation problem, if you will, or that um Maybe a better, easier way to put it is how you stay motivated and ambitious uh, despite your efforts to, you know, manage expectations and manage your ego and uh, keep all of your emotions that often can be very motivating and driving. You know, fear can can really drive success, and ego is 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 critical to to getting anywhere in life in the conventional sense. You know, as far as uh, at least what we most often talk about when we talk about success. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm always curious how other people deal with that without ending up in this kind of almost ending up too much in neutral. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the long story short of like the answer to that is it's, de it's a skill that's developed over years to where it's just, um, it's an unconscious program I've created now to, to, to call myself out, um, good or bad, like how am I acting? Um, I, I catch myself all the time. Like, Oh man, like I'm having this successful moment. I can't wait to fucking throw this in so-and-so's face. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, oh, that how I want to operate. Um, where is that coming from? And I like, mm -hmm. I internalize that now. 
Um, or on the flip side, when I'm having a, like a negative depressed moment or I'm anxious or overwhelmed, it's like really catching myself. And it's like, well, where is this coming from? Like that, that program, if you will, has been developed over years of consistency and action with that or consistency with the action, meditation, journaling, um, you know, reading, like learning, like all these things, having conversations like this, like consuming content that's geared around this question you just asked. And it just comes down to like, I don't believe in motivation. I, I think what motivation is, is just an elevated sense of energy in a moment. And to, to give context around that, <clears throat> I've been to several events on various different topics where people are all like, yeah, I'm motivated. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and the first chance they have to act against that, they do. Um, one clear example, so people will understand what like deeper level context, um, a ketogenic event. It's based on a ketogenic diet. You know, no processed foods, no breads, no grains, low, ultra low carb, high fat. Um, there, I was at an event. I was a speaker at this event. 2,000 people all riled up like, yeah, keto, you know, mm-hmm. fight this and that, like lose weight, like all this stuff. It's the way to go. Yeah, like fuck glucose. And then the minute they have the intermission, there's, I don't know why, there's bread and pasta at the lunch line. Mm-hmm. People eating rolls and pasta and sandwiches. And I'm just like, that is, I, one, I don't know why that's here. Whoever put this event together, the, I don't know why they did that. But two, that motivation you just were experiencing with all those people went right out the window the first chance you were tempted. Mm-hmm. So my view on motivation is just energy being elevated in the moment. Uh, what I believe people say they really want when they either say, I want more motivation or I just need more motivation or, hey, how do I get more motivated? What I believe people really want is purpose and then consistency or momentum. Mm-hmm. So when you think about motivated, like, how does that make you feel? To me, what comes to mind is like, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go act mm-hmm. on what I want. I'm going to do what I say for what I want. Well, that could be short lived because you could have an obstacle that you didn't maybe foresee, or maybe you foresee, foresaw it coming and then all of a sudden you're presented with it and now you're challenged. Mm-hmm. And so when you can create a deep purpose for why you want to do something in life or why you want that thing, and this is what James talks about in Atomic Habits, like, the golden circle, working your way inside out, focusing on identity. How do you want to think? How do you want to feel? Like, how do you want to behave? Like, who is the type of person you want to become that does the middle layer, that does the process or system or the how, and then has the outcome as a natural positive consequence? Mm-hmm. I think that's the driving factor when people say motivation. It's like, no, you just want to feel um, momentum. You want to feel success and fulfillment and purpose. Mm-hmm. Because without those things, like, what are you motivated towards? There's an outcome you're motivated towards to fill a void of what you feel now that you think you're going to have later on. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a belief that it's the, um, um, the if X, then Y thinking leads to failure because you're saying this is what the, the book's all about. It, you're focused on an outcome and you're thinking that outcome is going to change who you are, not just who you are as a person, um, but deeper than that, like who you are is made up of the, like, the beliefs you have. Um, the limiting beliefs or the positive beliefs, the emotions you operate from, your values, your perspective. And so when you're thinking that outcome, whether it be money, the job, the house, the relationship, mm-hmm. whatever is going to change who you are, you're already failing because you're going to run out of motivation because you don't believe that you are that person yet. And that's a big thing I talk about with my clients, with myself, just anyone in general. It's operating from a vision that you have in your mind about who the type of person is you want to become that has the life that you want rather than just what is that outcome you want? Because when you're focused on that and motivation is your problem, it's not motivation, it's your problem. You're not clear on who you want to become and the life you want to have. And that way you're not creating consistent action that's building momentum 
where you feel like you're succeeding at something. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to feel unmotivated. You don't right. feel unmotivated. You just feel lost and and maybe the unknown. And so I think really what it comes down to is purpose and momentum. You can't get, you can't have freedom without discipline as, as weird as that is. I never really understood that until a couple of years ago. The, the, I live this, I live this, this freedom lifestyle. Like I was free to do whatever the hell I wanted. I, I left school at 17. I lived the world of, you know, the success in my profession and I hid behind the pain and the suffering and all the things I should have been doing to take care of myself because of the success I had. I thought I was free to do whatever I want mm-hmm. when I wanted, you know, eat what I want, a lot of late nights partying, chasing girls and doing all that stuff. And then my health came to a life or death matter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, am I so free? No, I'm not. And then as the years have gone by and I've created more discipline and structure around my life and created non-negotiables like healthy foods, sleep, you know, mm-hmm. exercise, mindfulness, I've been liberated on so many fronts, uh, whether it's it's um, my health, spirituality, my relationships, my career, finances, like like anything. Like it's all, it's more freeing. Like I don't feel like this pressure and this weight on me. Mm. But when I live, you know, thinking, oh, I'm just going to be free. That's going to be real freedom. There's not going to be any discipline. There's not going to be any structure. And yeah, there's days I felt unmotivated. There's still days I feel quote unquote unmotivated because I'm a human being. Mm. But the difference is, is I get out of bed every day and I still pursue what I'm after because I'm clear of my purpose. And I, like I said, back to my, my belief that there's no meaning to life. That's my belief. Like we're human beings and it's an amazing thing that we're alive. I don't know what happens later on. I don't know. But as human beings, we give meaning to things. And I think when you get wrapped up in this complexity of suffering and attachment, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to feel unmotivated because you're attached to an outcome. You're not attached to an identity. And that was a big takeaway for me and James's book and some podcasts I've listened to with him as a guest on. It's just like, and that's something I believe in. Just what is the type of person you want to become that has the life that you want? It doesn't work the other way around. Because mm-hmm. if it did, so many everyone would have that. Right. If it was that easy, everyone would have the things they want because it's not about doing the work to become the person mm-hmm. that does the things that, you know, it's all, oh, I'm gonna, I want that. It's not that easy. I mean, if you have the money, you can order it off your phone that easily. But to get that money, it takes a different um, personality to have those things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that like just got super confusing, but that's just a big fan of. uh, I'm just a big fan of like there is no motivation. It's purpose and momentum that create that sense of motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it reminds me of a a particular concept that I found to be quite useful, or at least to be mindful of, is how habits, discipline, structure, however you want to frame it, how that helps the individual avoid decision fatigue. All right. That's one way to frame it. But ultimately just looking at if we're looking, if we're using the uh, freedom equals discipline kind of equation, I, I know it's, it's been kind of a, true. or yeah, sorry, other around, um, a Jocko thing. Yep. Um, I actually heard from someone else that I didn't know was quoting him at the time who was actually close okay. with him. And then later on, yeah, it made sense. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, just that we do spend a lot of our time on a daily basis just kind of in limbo about certain aspects of our lives that in theory, if you could just have more non-negotiables, um, if you could have more things that you could automate, it's, it's fairly intuitive that you would be more so literally freed up 
to focus on bigger things, on on more important things. Where sure, you, you everyone has a different level of rigidity in their lives that works for them, but to be able to a certain extent just say, no, this is just this is a set thing. You know, this is something that I don't. I want to be able to wake up every morning and know what's next. You know, I want to be able to, whatever it is for you, I want to wake up and take a shower or I want to wake up and go exercise or we want to wake up and read for 15 minutes, whatever it is, something that every morning you wake up and you know, I'm just going to do this and this is what's going to follow. And you're not sitting there wasting time being like, Hey, how should I, how should I spend those 15 minutes or how should I spend my day or what should I eat for dinner tonight? Or should I do this today? Or, you know, what, what kind of, how do I want to respond to this sort of situation? And just being able to lay out even a basic framework of how you would like to handle certain situations, how you would like to behave in certain environments, how you would like to, uh, what things you would like to put yourself in front of, whatever it may be that, that creating those habits, creating that framework allows you to not waste energy constantly You're free trying to yeah, figure things yeah. out, you know, um, cause there's much bigger things to figure out, you know, like life is very complicated and scary and full of surprises and sometimes downright just painful, you know, and there's, there's much bigger problems to solve than, you know, when to wake up in the morning, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like even something as basic as that is just automating that. Like, okay, I get up at this time. I'm uh, not sitting there on my phone before bed every night. Like, when should I set the alarm for? You know, uh, simple things like that. Uh, it's a concept that that I found to be particularly useful, especially because I I can be as someone who's relatively uh, prone to analyzing things and trying to optimize things that it's easy for me to really get stuck on decisions sometimes and, and really just like well, would 607 be better than 601, you know? Yeah. Um, but just recognizing that there's, there's a huge built-in opportunity cost there of me sitting there spending time, spending energy, using mental space on things that I could just say, I could just make this decision one time and free myself up to not have to make that decision for 365 other days or four for that matter. But yeah. Um, I definitely resonate with that because I learned that that was me acting out of fear um, as one of the major negative emotions of like decision fatigue and overanalyzing options and what do I do and what about this and like I was just afraid of making the wrong decision mm -hmm. and that's what it came down for me and on the topic of habits I have a lot of favorite uh, quotes but one of my favorite quotes around habits is we don't decide our future we decide our habits our habits decide our future and I think mm -hmm. that's really profound that's like a mantra of mine now and I actually had, um, had Jackie write it out a better handwriting and I uh, taped it over my journal and it's the first thing I see when I open it and it's it's just a reminder that um, don't get attached to your outcomes get attached to your identity your identity mm -hmm. is made up of your habits um, along with your thinking and your, your emotions so I think that's um, what comes to mind when you know the the talk on habits is you decide your habits which decide your future not the mm -hmm. other way around yeah I'm, I'm curious as someone who has so much focus uh, particularly oriented towards habits and, and this aspect of life and how they really manifest themselves as essentially who we are at base over time uh is there any particular habit that you don't have right now that you would like to if you could kind of similar to the question i asked before if you could snap your fingers of tomorrow and this was just something you were locked in on um do you have anything is there a habit i want that i don't currently have mm -hmm. 
Um, it's funny how it's easier to think of the things we don't want than sometimes the things we do want. Yeah, I would. I would say something that's been reoccurring for me is just um, I've been acting on it. That maybe that's why it's difficult in this moment. I'm sure something will come up in the next week or days or months or years that I would love to create. That I'd be aware of. But uh, I'm in a I'm in an interesting space. I think that's why that question is challenging because I've been challenged from people I've hired <laughs> to help me with this, as well as my own beliefs of being aware of things. And I'm acting. I'm pushing through a lot of fear and insecurity to overcome those bad habits or to overcome the lack of good habits. But one that comes to mind is um, I just, it's funny because today I took a massive action towards that. It's just uh, improving my relationships with friends and family more than just saying that um, just reaching out more than just mm -hmm. waiting for the other person. Cause I, I've done that a lot. We, we all do that. Like, Oh yeah, we got to catch up more and it never goes anywhere. Right. And so that's been weighing on me because um, with my, my line of work, uh, I focus on the six major aspects of life and that we add in two bonus ones because it's 2020 now. Um, but one of them is relationships, not mm -hmm. just like your, your family or your intimate partner, but just your, your friends, your just strangers, your coworkers, mm -hmm. just whoever you interact with. And it's just been reoccurring that like when I rated that, that level of my life, it was like a four or a five. And then I asked why, and it's like, well, um, I have some, uh, resistance with some people because I'm creating judgment because I want what's best for them and I don't think they're doing what's best for them based on my own perspective. Mm. Or I'm just not talking to people that mean a lot to me because you know we don't we don't live in the same town anymore, the same state, or we're not roommates anymore, or whatever. And mm -hmm. so that's something I want to improve, and I'm actively working on that. But that's definitely one that comes to mind is mm -hmm. getting better about creating um, more more connection with those relationships that I want to keep strong and keep in touch more than just like, yeah, we got to do this again sometime. Right. It's, um, I feel like you and I met just, you know, relatively recently, not even a year ago. Mm. And I've been practicing that with you. It's just like, Oh, this is an interesting person. We have a lot in common. I, I get a lot of value from our time together. Mm. Like, let's reach out. Like, Hey, how's it going? Not just, Oh, they must not like me. Or, you know, right. I have some friends that deal with social anxiety quite a bit to where I joke with them now. I'm like, Hey man, can we be friends? <laughs> like, no, it's not you. I'm like, yeah, it's all good. I just wanted to talk some shit and disconnect. But right. I'd say that is just what's been on my mind um, a lot lately. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to increase. Yeah, 100%. I feel like almost every social interaction, like you said, whether it be with family or, or friends or, or people you just met, it, it almost without exception ends with that sort of language. The, we should do this again soon or we should hang out more often. It's It's always... People always feel that way in the moment because we're we're social creatures, you know. We we live off of that, and of course, there's people who have large degrees of of social anxiety for various reasons. But when you have positive social interactions like that, is that is a huge. You can't. I can't overstate how valuable that is. And so, in the moment, everyone is always like, "Wow, we should do that again." Like, I should do this more often. This is good for me. My body is telling me that this is. This is a good thing, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't translate, you know, nine times out of 10, we just, for whatever reason, we don't reach out or we, we lose we touch have or have a reason to reach out rather than just saying, right. So. Or we're, we're worried why they're not reaching yeah. out or we're like, Oh, like, was that, was that just, I was that just fun for me? Or, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but 
yeah, especially it certainly resonates with me on, on all sorts of levels. I have a lot of close friends, um, that I grew up with and I also have a very large extended family and I have a lot of people that I have this very strong foundation with, but that I catch myself so often just not putting the basic effort in, you know, on a, on a day to day or week to week or month to month basis, just to touch base and, and to make time for them almost sometimes because of the fact that that foundation is so strong, where right? I have, I have some friends that I've, I've known as long as I have memories, you know, and it seems as though we almost, it doesn't matter if we stay in touch, or, you know, that we always can kind of pick up where we left yeah. off. But I often use that as an excuse to not put in the basic effort, to not know what's going on in these people's lives. And sure, 2020 has been strange in a lot of ways and social dynamics have changed, but it, it takes nothing to send someone a text or to give them a call or just to, just to be interested in, in their lives um, and to be involved. And it's so easy to just yeah, fall out with people, you know, to, to have people that are, bring so much value to your life and that bring so much, whether it be positive energy or unique perspectives or whatever. And to just, just because they're not literally in front of your fucking face every day yeah. that you just forget what it's like to really connect with someone in a meaningful way and how valuable it is to just have a, a bigger network of, of close relationships that I feel like is so uncommon these days. I mean, there's certainly data to support that, that the number of close friendships that people have is, is just continuing to decrease, uh, which is really unfortunate, you know, and, and really, really unhelpful in a lot of ways, especially as we've talked about considering our, our biology and our, our physiology and, and how we're made that that is, that's something that on a, whether it be a conscious or, or subconscious level that that really gets you over time. And we have this sense that, you know, because the world feels more connected now that we could, you know, you could go a year without really talking to your friends or, or being social for whatever that means. And that that would just be fine. Cause you could, you know, you could be on social media or you could, you know, interface with, you could watch movies that make you feel things. And, you know, it's kind of this dumbed down version of, of what real social connectivity is. And I think we are yet to really see what the implications are of that in the long term. And I think decades from now, or maybe even centuries from now, we might look back um, on this current moment and and almost look back on it how as we do, you know, when we think about before we even considered, you know, taking care of the planet, that that might not have long-term implications if we didn't, you know, get our act together, that that any sort of sense that, you know, just putting daily effort into your relationships and strengthening them is should be as important as, as brushing your teeth, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously we'll see <laughs> how, that, how that really pans out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think this uh, the whole social di social distancing thing and people being isolated and all that it's um, it's exposing the truth to that on a lot of degree um, or a lot of levels and it's it's fascinating to watch that kind of that experiment pan out mm. and um, yeah I, uh, I definitely appreciate connection <laughs> and <laughs> non isolation from people for sure. Yeah, I mean it's 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 once again it's it's hard to it's hard to overstate how valuable that is. And people have certainly had to get creative, you know, this year. And I think in a way that's good. Um, 
my wife and I had talked about this a few times, actually, that it's sometimes this year has presented that opportunity to, to realize that, A, who really makes time in your life for you? Because it is that much harder this year, you know, and to be able to realize that there are lots of ways to connect, even if it's, you know, you got to get on a Zoom and, uh, you know, play a virtual game with your friends or whatever, or you, whatever it is that you do to have some connection, to touch base with other people and just check in, give them a smiling face to look at or whatever. Um, it's one of those things that hopefully, you know, will carry into the future that will say, hey, even if we can't get together, even if we can't, even if we move away or we're or there's distance between us or whatever happens, we're busy. There's ways, you know, there, there's there's more than than just sitting down with people in a conventional sense. And hopefully that will kind of reinvigorate our at least our, our sense of positivity about what the options are and that it doesn't have to always be so black and white as far as what it takes to, to manage a relationship and to, to add value to each other's lives. Yeah, for sure. And then also with that comes the sense of support, even if it's not like a direct, like, Oh, how can I help you? Or are you okay? Like type of that when you feel like you're not by yourself, you mm -hmm. just can't help but feel a little bit more confident in your, whatever you're going through. I think right. that's another important factor as well. Mm. Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on, um, because as we've spoken about the whole concept of this podcast is kind of based in identity. And I know it's something we've already talked about a bit today and the name of the podcast, obviously being imposters anonymous and being kind of rooted in the imposter syndrome as a concept and the the games that we kind of play with ourselves and our identities and what we feel like we should be in the world and what we deserve and what we're capable of. We all experience some sort of discomfort on that front, but I'm curious from an identity perspective, if you feel like there's anything throughout your, your life or your career, uh, in spite of all your success that you feel like you've been given more credit for than you deserve. Yeah. I think that <laughs> I like that's everything. Uh, um, everything that people like uh, attribute to who I am to them and the success that I've had, whether it be my personal, my personal battles of, <clears throat> of overcoming health challenges or my career and fulfilling my childhood dream, making a career out of that for something I did for over half my life at the time when I decided to walk away. Uh, and actually, when the health challenges were presenting a, a threat to my life, literally, uh, I get a lot of credit for those things. And that's what I've become known for. And I've established a brand around and mm -hmm. uh, my business. I've used that to help people. But when people, I feel, give me a lot of credit for things to me, I'm like, well, it was just something I did. Like, it wasn't that great. Like. I just, I didn't have a choice. Like I wanted to live. So I just did this or mm. that's what I wanted to do. So I wasn't going to stop trying at least until I got to a point where it's like, oh, there's not, this isn't going to happen. Mm. Uh, so I find that people give me a lot of credit that I don't feel like I deserve, but it's based around the belief that we can all achieve the things we want if we're self-aware about them. Meaning, you know, my being five, eight, five, nine, and my original dream to go to the NBA my skill, right. no matter how much I practice, may have not been up to par with that. 
So when I say self-aware, I don't mean like just shut yourself down from things you believe aren't possible. People tell you aren't possible, but I just mean like a realistic, like I'm not going to be able to be able to be a tree, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a realistic expectation that I won't be able to be a tree. Um, But things like that, I think that I just believe we're all capable of things because in my mind, I didn't come from any type of upper hand. Like I actually, there's a lot of odds I was up against that I overcame. Mm. And so when people, you know, kind of say certain things that allude to like this type of credit or um, they see me as this big success, I just, sometimes I'm like, uh, like, did it, like and a lot of it, I'm like, did that even really happen? Cause it's just been a part of my story for so long mm. that I'm not associated with it, especially with my career change the last three years, four years. Um, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I definitely feel like somewhat of an imposter because people are telling me this because they perceive me this way, but mm-hmm. I don't believe that to be true of myself or at least entirely. And that was something I had to work through. And now I'm like, okay, I can see that. I can see how that person um, is looking at this aspect of my life and they're inspired by that. And they said, that is amazing. I don't believe that it's amazing because I believe they're capable of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But also I was presented with a challenge and I wanted it bad enough that I just overcame it. I wasn't born to do the things I was you know, able to do. I wasn't given an extra opportunity. Actually, I had a lot of things kind of stacked against me in terms of opportunity, mm-hmm. but I found a way. So I definitely, especially when I started getting out and speaking around the world and I'm like, who am I to be like on stage in front of people being paid to do this? Like, I'm just sharing what I lived, mm-hmm. um, my takeaways, you know, but people see value in that. But why? Like, and so um, I definitely battled a lot of that. And um, I wrote uh, a good bit about that in a chapter of my book that I'm um, almost done um, with. Uh, at least I wrote it. Now I'm getting to the editing and publishing process of that. So I'm not sure when that'll be. But um, Jackie actually helped me with this in terms of like switching careers. Um, and I, I labeled the title Breaking Up With My First Love. She helped me understand the identity crisis I was going through at the age of 27, 28 was because essentially the first thing I ever really loved in my life, besides my parents, my family, my brother, things like that, um, I it was, a, it was a dream. And I made that happen. Mm-hmm. I lived that and it became a career of mine um, for, at the time, ha- over half my life. And when I decided to step away with a higher purpose, I never expected to go through the challenge of leaving that. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through like, oh, I'm a fraud. Like, who am I to do this? Because my identity is built on something I used to do. Right. Not who I am as a human being that, what I did was an extension of who I am. Mm-hmm. So now that I have a different perspective on it, um, uh, accompanied with the belief that we can all do the things we want. Um, if we truly believe we're capable and we try, you know, that's, I'm no different, you know, mm-hmm. may look different, may have a different family, different, you know, upbringing, but you know, we all have different upbringings, different family. We all look different things like that. So I uh, definitely went through that the last four years or I say four years ago is when it started. And, just this last year, year and a half, I've actually broken through and uh, more and more, especially the last few months, I've been confident in just who I am. And it's, again, our external world shaped by our inner world. And the more my inner world changed to where I'm just confident being myself and what I say is speaking my truth and walking my talk, the more mm-hmm. my external world shifting in the manner that I want it to. That's not to say things you know like pain and suffering are included in that. Right. Um, that those are always going to be there to a degree, but lesser than when before. Um, so I definitely, definitely uh, had those deep experiences of like being a fraud or imposter. Mm-hmm. Um, just who am I? But now I'm like, oh, like I'm fucking very capable of being this and fulfilling this role because mm-hmm. I believe it now. Right. And I have evidence of that, that 
you know, most people would assume is evidence of it. So it's like, I can believe it or go against it. But in regards to the life I want to live, it makes sense to believe in it. And I'm walking it. And I'm doing that from, I'd say, an ethical place of wanting to help people. Like, a, um, I think my values are a check. It's not about me. Otherwise, I would have continued living my dream. Um, mm. But I changed it out for a new one that has a higher purpose. And that's through the experiences I've gone through that's led me to that, back to the journey is the values in the journey. I wouldn't have been where I wouldn't be where I am today had I not gone through the things I've gone through. But it took feeling like an imposter, feeling like a fraud, feeling not capable, and to audit why, where was that coming from? And it's led me to where I am today. That I don't longer feel like that. There's times where it comes in, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be those anxiety moments or those fearful moments. And then I'm like, well, you know, I'm talking about this, but I'm experiencing the exact same thing I'm helping someone with. Well, yeah, because I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is I don't make that become a part of my personality. It's just, it just is what it is. Right. Yeah. I think people often, at least from my perspective, miss the point on, uh, stories of resilience, whatever they may be. And, and yours is, is certainly particularly interesting, but it's to me, just another example of it's more about human resilience. You know, it, it's not about Josh being this particularly special individual that uh, has this certain capacity that no one else has. Like you said, you, you believe that that most, if not all people could endure something similar uh, given uh, whatever that framing may be. And we're so conditioned to always be comparing ourselves to others that people could say, well, like, I've never experienced anything that bad. And, and look at me, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, Josh, you must be special. You know, it, it's very easy to make that jump where it feels like we, we have to say that other people just have something innate that we don't uh, because they're doing more than us for whatever that, that means. Make us feel or, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly... The saying, Brandon, is you know, got to be special. Does that make me feel better about either not trying, failing, or just feeling how I feel? Right. I mean, it's, I think to some degree it is, it is a a way of protecting yourself, right? It's it's a way of protecting your own sense of of identity and that you, um, it's, it's a self-defeating, you know, kind of thought process, but in a way it, it can be a little bit soothing that, you know, and to some degree there's, there's some truth in it, not in really the way that I was speaking to, but like, let's just say we're talking about LeBron James, right? The guy's special. He's not, he's not a regular person in the athleticism department. Um, but what is special about LeBron James is not, it doesn't really have to do with what he's worth as a person or what he did to be where he is because he was gifted in an, just an unfathomable way at birth. And that's a lot of it. And that's not to say that genetics are everything, but even the things that aren't genetics that matter the most are also things that we don't have control over, right? Like he didn't choose where he grew up. He didn't choose where his parents were. He didn't choose how they raised him. He didn't choose his you know, developmental environment, the school he went to, the people he, even he hung around at a young age. And sure, as you get older, you feel like you more so start to choose those things and you can influence 
that system that you're in that changes who you are over time. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make someone more worthy or even something that you should put yourself below uh, is maybe more what I'm getting at that people, they put someone like LeBron James on a pedestal, uh, not because he has this just incredible confluence of attributes that are just, it's amazing. It's, it's rare. It's, it's once in a a hundred years or whatever, however you want to frame it. Um, but it doesn't mean that he's special in the way that I feel like a lot of people say that he is. I'm not like here trying to shit on LeBron James, if that's what it sounds like, but that it, it forces people to put themselves on a different tier, you know, and sure, not everyone, like you said, you, you're not, Six nine, you know, you you weren't going to be a basketball yeah. star, and even if you you know you dribbled in your driveway every day and night, you weren't going to be LeBron. Um, but that has absolutely nothing to do with what you're worth, and I feel like that's where it gets really complicated for people is that they start to feel like people who have great deals of success or who are very have great gifts or, or are incredibly resilient or whatever it may be that they are just on this different worth tier and that that starts to eat away at their their belief in themselves their self-worth uh and how they think about themselves even though it's more just we all just kind of got a dice roll you know to start with we we got what we got genetics wise and you can do your best with what you have and i think we all do our best to to encourage those who we care about to you know play their hand as well as they can. And that's certainly a piece of conventional advice that I think applies to everyone. Like you, you just deal with what you're, you're dealt. And um, some people just start at a different level, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's not like that's what really matters. And it's not like the LeBron Jameses of the world are able of living a more fulfilled or quote unquote valuable life than anyone else. Uh, it's just that they might do it in a more extravagant and objectively uh, spectacular way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't speak to the quality of their mind on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't speak to how they feel moment to moment. And at the end of the day, everyone has the same capacity to feel, to to change, to... I guess what I'm trying to get at is when it comes to identity, I just feel like so much of the imposter syndrome that that we all kind of experience, how I even, you know, talked myself out of starting this podcast for for months, even years, really, in, in different forms was because of this idea that maybe I'm, I, I don't have anything worth saying, you know, that there's not people out there that really would want to hear what I have to say because who am I? What have I done? I, I didn't go to Harvard. I, I, I didn't win a Nobel prize. I'm not LeBron James. Uh, why, why would anyone want to tune into this? And it's, I firmly believe that everyone has the same base value. And I think most people can agree to that. It's not like that's a revolutionary thing to say, but I think it's so easy to say everyone's equal. Everyone's, 
everyone has the same uh, base value, should have the same rights, but we don't really think about ourselves that way. We somehow always exclude ourselves from that conversation where we're like, yeah, everyone's on the same level except for me, you know, um, which is, you know, I'm not suggesting that everyone should see the world and, you know, everything's sunshine and rainbows and everyone's fundamentally good. I'm just saying that we're all kind of fundamentally on the same level. Um, I don't know if that resonates. Yeah, that makes you know. sense. I mean, we all have choices. I mean, LeBron got exposed to something. He enjoyed it and he worked at it. If he even was forced to do it and didn't work at it or didn't make the choices in pivotal moments to make the basketball team in high school and middle school and then so on and so forth, he wouldn't be who he is to most people today. Same human being, just very different perspective to the masses. Maybe not even had a global name. Same with Michael Jordan. Like, and but you talk with people that know them and around them all the time. They're like, yeah, but their their drive is unmatched. Like every day, they're out there doing what they need to to be better. They're doing the homework, so the test is going to be easier for them. Figuratively mm-hmm. speaking, um, so it's yeah, I definitely um, believe in that. Because same thing with me, same thing with you. Like we could have, you know, it's cliche to say, but we could have made so many different choices in our lives that wouldn't have made this moment happen. Mm-hmm. I could have made choices in my my life in the past that would have I, I wouldn't be here today literally I wouldn't be alive or I wouldn't have the platform I have where people are actually interested in what I have to say like I wouldn't have had the moments of feeling like an imposter because I wouldn't have been doing anything out of my comfort zone but I think we also get wrapped up in our unconscious mind finding ways to affirm our insecurities but like we compare ourselves like this is like the ego you know like we we define who we are based on how we comparing and contrasting ourselves to um, the outside world in space and in time. So, you know, when we're looking at those people or that thing, it's like, it's always comparing how we are in this space and time and other space and time. It's not so much about what you're, you're addressing is like the identity. Like LeBron is great because of who he is as a human being that got him to that level as evidence of who he believes he is. If he didn't believe who he was, would he be that good? You know, like, would he just be another basketball player or not be another basketball player? So I think it just comes down to the choices we make in that pivotal moments in time. And some people make choices that line them up for those moments. And some make choices based out of fear or whatever, no right or wrong. There just is like, that's, I mean, my belief of like life, not having true meaning, but we're humans, we give meaning to it. Um, it's the same belief that there is no right or wrong because I believe that this life doesn't matter. It's to enjoy and what happens after is just the same thing as like, well, what happened before? I don't know. Um, I, some people resonate with a past life. Some people don't resonate with heaven or hell. Like it just, I don't know. But um, I think it's just, yeah, it's just the difference of how you show up that makes you whatever person you become and what you believe in dictates that as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly, it's something that we can't avoid uh, as far as just these questions of, of meaning and, and what we're doing here and, and why we're here. And we've been asking them for, you know, since yeah. we've been around <laughs> and whether it just be looking up at the sky and being like, all right, fuck's going on there. Like we gotta, we gotta call that something. We gotta, we gotta build a story around that. And, uh, that's most of what we do on a, on a day-to-day basis is just kind of building stories Define around things, things yeah. that, that we experience and, and attaching meaning to things that of course fundamentally have none, you know, but 
in a way they do if we give it to them, you know, to, to the individual. Sure. Like, regardless of what you might, you know, prescribe to or believe in, like it's, if it's real, it's real to people who believe in it and for them and how that manifests in their life, it's real. Um, and so as you were saying, like, sure, if you, if you believe that there's, there's a reason that each individual is here and that they have, you know, that there's some, you know, ultimate equation that they're being factored into and that they're playing this pivotal role, like that's real to you and it affects, you know, your neurophysiology and, and how you behave, then sure, it's, it's as real as it is, as anything is to anyone, you know, it's, none of it's that real, if you will, if you really start to break it down from a, you know, a neurology perspective, you know, it's all, it's all appearances. It's what base reality is. We don't have a great grasp of, we're all kind of just building different models and telling different stories and trying to create a world that we can be comfortable and, and thrive in um, that isn't just, you know, being bombarded like a wild animal all the time. Like we're all just kind of struggling to not be in that state and to try to reach those same ends that we talked about earlier to, you know, find find connections, to, to be fulfilled, to, to not go hungry, you know, to, to not be alone. And however that manifests itself for each individual, like that's, that's real to them and yeah. whatever life means to you, then sure. It, it has meaning in that sense, but you know, it's not like, it's not like you can really say this, this floor is here for a reason, you know, yeah. there's no evidence of that, but if you have a story that you tell yourself that works for you, sure. You know, um, if you feel a connection to this, to this floor, uh, well, that's it. Like the connection, like the practical example of that is someone's smartphone or their laptop go smash it they have a lot of meaning involved in it they'll get upset mm -hmm. but someone that's never been exposed to a smartphone or a laptop that has no clue or if it's not theirs someone smashes it they don't care they, they didn't assign meaning to it mm -hmm. i think the gray area there is human beings and animals because i think at a core level um we all i believe we're all connected i think most people would agree they feel connected because no one likes seeing an innocent human being or animal being harmed Mm -hmm. But the degree in which that experience would be if it was a family member versus a stranger or mm -hmm. someone they believed deserved it, there'd be a different meaning attached to it. Sure. But I think a practical example is if like if I just threw your laptop, you know, yeah. you're like, what you're the fuck, pissed. dude? <laughs> uh, but if someone was sitting next to your laptop that had never seen a laptop before, didn't even know what it was, you know, they're like, oh, like, what? Or if I gave someone a laptop in that same context and then smash it in front of them, they're like, oh. Why'd you do that? Right. <laughs> so I, I just think that that's um, a good example of like how we assign meaning to things and just depends on what value it adds to your life. I think that's another thing talking about meaning. I think it comes back to value, what people value out of things. And um, I don't, I don't believe any belief is right or wrong, but in the world, or I shouldn't say, but then, um, and in the world of religion, I believe a lot of people give a lot of meaning to it because the value they have is security and safety and comfort. Mm. I don't, I don't resonate with that. I don't, I don't believe that this book telling me this is going to happen, this and that, mm. and operating from that means I'm safe and I'm comfortable. And like, I know what's going to happen later on. I don't, I just don't, I don't operate from that. So mm -hmm. that's why religion doesn't have meaning to me. But my uncle, very diehard Christian, mm. believes the shit out of that. And that works for him. Cool. Mm. But I just think that's another interesting aspect of that meaning. I believe translates to value. Mm. And, 
if you didn't think something was valuable to you, you wouldn't care about something, aka you wouldn't have meaning really mm. geared towards that. And maybe that's an ignorant perspective. I don't know. But that just came to mind when we're talking. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I, I don't think it's I don't think it's ignorant by any stretch. I mean I think it's it's a perspective and sure you could it's a word I often push back against because everything to some extent bears a certain ignorance, right? You know, we only know our perspective. That's all we have. And sometimes it it feels nice to be more familiar with certain uh, data points or experiences about a topic or whatever. And you can, I'm not saying there's not value there, but at the end of the day, we're all just kind of trying to, trying to understand the world that we live in and sure at times we're all going to say things and do things that that don't resonate with others and that that seem tone deaf or that seem uh seem ignorant if you will but i think that there's a lot of value in just speaking to what we feel honestly and being able to work through those things with other people and being in environments where that's okay to 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 say things that we don't feel like we're experts on or you know or to just say give an anecdote and be like hey this is how i felt when this happened to me and sure someone else can be like oh yeah that was the exact opposite for me yeah <laughs> and, and and that can be yeah. an interesting moment for you to be like oh i thought i thought that was everybody but um i think it's very easy to to jump to ignorance um when when people say things that we don't agree with or that doesn't resonate with us but in a way you could just you know you could turn you could turn it right back on them and be like, well, I mean, you know, you're kind of being ignorant to their perspective. Like, you just yeah, don't know what it's like. They live my life. I live their life. So, it, you, yeah, it, it's, it's, like it's a, one to one, you know. It's, it's a never ending situation. Sure. <laughs> that makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Maybe I have thought of it, but not that clearly. But yeah. I mean, anything can be ignorant to one person or the other, depending on how they came to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's it's one of those things. Obviously, it's it's not like I'm sitting here saying like, you know, everyone should just live with their their head in a hole and not not do what they can. Like, I do feel like we have a certain responsibility to each other to try to understand yeah other people's perspectives and those around us. But we're always failing terribly on that front. You know, like we're trying, but we're all very selfish, and we we do our very best to. I mean, maybe not our very best, but we, we, most people try to be considerate, to be compassionate, to be empathetic. But at the end of the day, it, it is our default to only consider our own perspective. And I think that's another word that's become negative is selfish because most people think like, oh, you're just thinking about yourself. And maybe they are, but from a neurological and like chemical perspective, like, stress creates this sense of fear for your health and survival today's society it doesn't mean that there's an overabundance of stress but your focus narrows on protecting yourself so yeah one does become selfish in the sense they're looking out for themselves because they feel threatened doesn't mean they're um, inconsiderate others um, or unempathetic or just lack of care it's like goes back to what you said earlier. Like everyone's just, I think, doing their best with what they're given and what tools they have at mm-hmm. the moment. And so that's been um, this year has been a big year of, of empathy for me. Um, I finished uh, Stephen Covey's Seven uh, Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about mm-hmm. first seek to understand and be understood as one of the chapters. 
and that that struck a chord with me a lot. And I think this year has been really um, a good opportunity to try and understand other people, especially with politics and um, civil rights and like all like the economy and like all these things. It's like rather than forcing people to understand your perspective, why not understand where they're coming from and ask questions like, okay, cool, how did you come to that conclusion? Just simply put. And then, oh, what about this? Did you ever think about this? This is how I came to my conclusion mm-hmm. and seeing where that goes. So I think that that's, uh, yeah, that whole conversation we just had about that, I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings up an interesting point about what you said about being selfish or self-interested or however it's framed in any context is, I think a lot of the negativity that's attached to those words also comes from a misunderstanding or, and granted, this is just my perspective, but a, a false sense of what true self-interest looks like, right? Uh, this idea that it would be ultimately best for someone to just have no regard for anyone else's feelings and to just, you know, chase pleasure and run away from pain in every moment like that that doesn't get anyone anywhere ever and we know this and we, we know this is true we know where that leads and sure in in moments we can see people doing conventionally selfish things or you know someone who abandons their whole family and you know starts a new life or something like that like it's hard to not call that selfish but things like that it, when people act in these myopic ways it's it's not actually helping them in the long term and what is really best for individuals is to be to do things that are pro-social to establish good relations to look out for others that they will look out for them and and to you know be a good neighbor so, you know, so that when shit goes down there's someone who will come over and see if you're okay or let you borrow an egg because you let them borrow one a week ago you know like that is how humans have thrived for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And there's not, it's not like those people who are just assholes and who don't care about anyone else. Like it's easy to call them selfish, but they, in a way that's not even, that's like almost a compliment they don't deserve where they're not, they're just being self-destructive. They're just making enemies. They're just pushing themselves down a path, putting themselves in a hole that's hard to dig out of, but being truly self-interested usually people who are that way it manifests itself very positively in life you know they're people who have great relationships and who do things in the community and who who care about people and who are giving of themselves because that is that's how you thrive you know and it's it's very easy to sometimes as you said just really place all this negativity on self-interest or, or selfishness i guess self-interest often seems a little more positive than selfishness but you know people always say you have to you know look you have to look out for yourself or be able to take care of yourself or yeah. love yourself or whatever before you can do that for anyone else and it's a little cliche but it certainly it applies and if you're not able to on some level you know turn inward and say hey like let me get myself in order let me actually do the work so that I can speak to it to someone else. Let me lead by example instead of trying to push my shit on everyone else and tell them how they should be. If you just do that, you know, if you just have your life in order, if you just set an example for others, that's going to resonate more than, you know, being this outward force of judgment on others. So what's the oxygen mask analogy? Hmm. 
you have to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're no good to anyone else. So it's almost selfish by being considerate of other people because unconsciously, you know, if I help you out, then we have a good relationship, then we'll be safe. I'll be safe. So uh, I think it just depends on the perspective you're choosing. It's mm -hmm. the, the airplane oxygen mask analogy really hits home for me because that was something I struggled with. It was like, you know, trying to better myself, but I want to help other people. Well, I have to be selfish because I have to be in a place that I can give myself to other people. And if I'm passed out, figuratively speaking, mm -hmm. what good am I to the world, let alone the people I care about? You know, so I think that that's, uh, that's why I think the perspective on the word selfishness or selfish, which is really misunderstood. Uh, and it just depends on how you're looking at it. And right. in different ways to look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really extends, let's just say, to the other side of the coin as far as being, quote unquote, selfless, that that is often, it's often considered to be a very positive thing. Uh, but you, you definitely, you meet people in life who, I don't mean to be judgmental of these people either, but that give so much of themselves something we kind of touched on before that they they don't have any oxygen if you will they're they're so exhausted they're so giving of themselves constantly and it's almost a little bit of a, a coping mechanism to not ever really turn inward and, and work on themselves yeah. or address their own things because sometimes it can be easier to just just give and to just do for others and to just be selfless without really getting yourself in line getting your affairs in order and leading by example where it we we generally we, we generally you know support people doing selfless things and i'm not saying it's not there's not some degree of selflessness that is important to but it's it's not even necessarily selflessness as i see it it's more about compassion you know it's more about empathy and and wanting to assist others in, in meaningful ways, but I think there's just often a huge disconnect there of what it really takes to to make a difference in other people's lives because we are very difficult to change, you know, and that it, it's sure you can you can tell people things over and over again and you can, you know, give someone the, the coat off your back, you know, every day of your life and until you have nothing left. But if you really want to to have an impact, it it has to start on a more basic fundamental level of people looking at someone who is doing what they want to do or has what they want on some level and saying like hey i i see someone basically what you were saying earlier as far as virtual mentors you know you, you see other people in the world and you say i i'd like to have that quality i'd like to be able to handle that situation like that like that person just got chewed out by their boss and they were really composed and you know they handled it well i'm sure they were pissed as hell but they took the criticism and, um, you know, they, they coped with it and they maintained a level head and a positive attitude. And I, I'd like to have that. And that's always going to be far more impactful than that person sitting there, um, and handling it in a, you know, a less than ideal way. And then coming over to everyone else and being like, you see how I handled that? Yeah. That, you know, if you could do that, you'd be happier, you know? Yeah. Uh, the whole talk around selflessness reminds me of, uh, I don't know, do you watch, do you ever watch Friends? Uh, I, I've seen some episodes, but there's an episode where Phoebe, one of the main characters, is challenged to do a selfless good deed. And mm. everything she does for other people makes her feel good. So she's like, oh, it wasn't selfless, selfless, <laughs> um, 
it was all selfish because I felt good. Um, and another example of that that comes to mind is like, look at someone like Tony Robbins um, in a lot of different fronts, very successful, and he just pours himself on other people because mm-hmm. his mission of what reaching a billion people meals based on his background. The context I think is important there because then if you look at someone else who's insecure and afraid to make changes and steps moving forward that just keeps giving themselves to other people out of a way of uh, hiding from the actions they take or procrastination or whatever, giving into their fears. Yeah, they're trying to help a lot of people, but they're not helping themselves, which how long is that going to be lived of them helping other people? And I think that's a big misunderstanding that people have that I went through is like, well, it's not about me. I help other people. I'll improve because of that. And it's like, oh, it doesn't really work that way. You have to take care of yourself because like we are a vessel of energy and information. And if that starts running low, we're not going to be here much or much effective to help other people. So I think mm. it just depends on the context and the intention behind trying to help other people from a selfless perspective. And is it, is it really selfless or is it, um, is it fear driven or you know, what, what's going on behind the scenes? And I think using Tony Robbins as you know, a radical example that way and then someone else that's like hiding behind insecurity and fear as another radical from the opposite way, I think it's good to have like a medium or like a middle mm-hmm. ground but again, that comes with a lot of um, self-work and knowing yourself and knowing what your intentions really are. And mm-hmm. that's something people are scared of. And again, this is all, that's the one thing I, I have to, this is, I guess, a habit I would love to change. I need to stop validating what I say uh, because I've lived the messages I share. And something I love sharing is I don't, I don't teach or speak on theory. Mm-hmm. I speak on experience. I've learned some shit. And I've applied some shit and I've had some experiences and that's what I share from. Um, so that reminds me of an earlier question about bad habits or something. It's like having to validate myself. Mm-hmm. But I just love using um, the perspective and context behind Tony Robbins and then someone operating from fear and insecurity, both helping people, both mm-hmm. looked at like a noble deed, but what's the intention going on behind and how long is that going to be sustainable? Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to money that people have a lot of, insecurity around that and fear and i did too like that's why i'm speaking on it. it's because i thought like oh if i'm focused on making money so i can help more people i wasn't thinking of that way mm-hmm. i was thinking like i have needs i have wants and then when i started focusing on well the more money i make the more i can help people at a larger level and at scale and then tony robbins being a great example of that kind of brought all that home for me and i was like oh i believe that now like that that's a great example mm-hmm. you know he's able to do what he, he's doing and affecting you know, millions of lives because he has the resources, not just monetarily, but himself, mm-hmm. which I think now we're starting to see some health implications of that with some other things he's been battling, um, kind of, you know, taking its toll on him, but still right. the same principles there, you know, but maybe not, maybe, maybe it's like, oh, like he's giving, giving, giving that he's starting to shut down because he's always going and doing mm-hmm. stuff, but yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. I mean, I think it's, there's uh there's lots of ways to crack an egg as they say yeah. <laughs> um and you can certainly you can do a lot of tangible and i guess literal good in the world at your own expense you know it's perfectly possible thing to do many people do it most people maybe do it it's most expected it. actually right um and it's it's certainly not something that we are I guess accustomed to to see individuals really succeeding in 
in taking care of themselves and enjoying their lives and, you know, prioritizing their own mental and physical health and also doing that for others at the same time, you know, took care of themselves and fulfilled or, um, yeah, fulfilled interests of theirs. Yeah. If it was easy, (laughs) I guess everybody would do it. Um, as they say, but that's the ideal world I want to live in. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe we'll get there. Um, at least on some level as things just continue to, progress and then become easier i mean it's certainly easier than ever to take care of yourself and and, and well in some ways yeah you know, there's not the as much but yeah. the tools are are unprecedented you know yeah. and even something like which i know resonates with you like being mindful of what you put inside your body just saying that as broadly as possible it's 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 easier than it ever i mean to be fair that's not true if you if you take you know maybe hunter gatherers they didn't have mcdonald's down the road but they also dealt with extreme fasting sure they weren't eating. <laughs> you know they they had a lot of things uh in their favor a lot of adversity to overcome but the example i was trying to get at that maybe um is a little lost there is just that every day there's there's a, a new invention a, a new piece of research a new uh a new food company that is making it easier for people to make good choices on that front, whether, yeah. whether it be food, it's, well, I think it's, it's mental health like, or, you know, anything the bad and the good that's there at scale. Now it just depends on what information you're consuming. Mm. And that information could be people, it could be media. Could, yeah, it just, it's all there either <laughs> way. I think in 2020, like literally you can learn anything on YouTube. You can choose where you want to learn things elsewhere. But like you said, the availability of either right. option, it's there. You just have to know about it. Yeah. No, the the peaks and the valleys are, I guess, as, as high and as low as ever. And it certainly, to a lot, to a significant degree, does come down to, to what you're exposed to and, and what's in front of you on a, on a regular basis. Um, so on that note, we are coming up on two hours, I just realized. So <laughs> I'll probably try to wrap it up on this final question that, I just thought of kind of based on what you're saying and just the the importance of what you're exposed to, the information you're taking in. Um, is there any in, you know, I'll just say fact, piece of research, piece of content that if you if you could, once again, snap your fingers and have everyone be aware of it or exposed to it, uh, is there anything that comes to mind that you feel like everyone could benefit from that? we can leave our guests with. Yeah, it's not a specific stat or study or a thing like that, but it's the book Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter, who is a neurologist that focuses on the implications of blood sugar regulation, brain health and performance, longevity and disease. That book changed my life. I read that in 2013, and that's what got me um, further into my holistic journey, if you will, because food is the most profound and important decision we have on a daily basis besides what we decide to put in our brain. You know, like uh, what we consume mentally um, and and nutritionally. And so starting with that and really understanding, I was coming from a fearful state of losing my brain health based on things that I've experienced with that. And so what he was speaking to was directly speaking to my emotions from a practical and scientific perspective. But it gave me the ability to think beyond my comfort zone, beyond my habits, beyond my choices, beyond what I was taught and beyond my old beliefs. 
because I was presented with information that challenged all that. Mm-hmm. And then by implementing some of the things I was learning as just an experimentation to see what, you know, what he was talking about and if it really worked, that led me on uh, the path of well, what else can I optimize my life? What else can I improve? And then that's what got me interested in all the things I'm interested in, in a holistic perspective, mind and body of what I could do to better myself, better my reality and my experience in that reality. Um, and I think if people can start with something that'll probably offend them, because again, it's the, it's, just, it's what we do every day. Like we need food to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can fast for bits of time, but that's not sustainable long-term because you'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also, it may offend people because it's the most intimate thing that we experience on a daily basis that also in today's society has a lot of judgment around what you eat, how you look and things like that, which kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if people can be open-minded to the information that's in that book, which I think he's, he's rewritten it, added things to it and added studies and research to it. And um, just last year, I think they put out the new version of it. But I think if people can read that or another book that comes to mind, I'll leave it at these two. Um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you just read and stay open to the quantum physics part, he opens with from a very basic understanding that anyone can really just digest, Mm -hmm. not fully comprehend, but just kind of get where he's going. The the rest of the book, it's just really about understanding yourself, um, where he talks about your personality creates your personal reality. So understanding how your personality is developed from the way you think, the way you feel or your emotions um, and the way you behave, how that creates a reality that's always changing. I think those two books created the most drive for me to be self-aware and learn about myself, learn about other people and just kind of explore the mysteries of life all together, which is the bulk of what we just talked about. So I think Grain Brain and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, they cite, of course, so much research and there's so many st- um, studies and scientific literature and like all sorts of stuff um, but they also give practical steps you can take at the end of each book like mm-hmm. full-on plans and i think it's really amazing those are the two books that changed my world inside and out on so many levels and i think that yeah i think those two books if you finish them you can't help but think differently at the, mm-hmm. at the very least you can't help but think differently yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's what this project is is all about. It's just giving people new perspectives, you know, uh getting getting different uh viewpoints in in front of people and just giving people the opportunity to to change change their lens for a second, even if yeah. it's just that to to read something new, to be exposed to something they otherwise might not. Um so those both seem very interesting. I'll have to check them out myself. I'll try to link them in the show notes as well. Uh, I did just remember that nihilistic was the word I was looking for <laughs> uh, when I made a fool of myself about an hour and a half ago. Um, so I guess I'll end on that. But thank you, Josh, for coming on. And thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.